Welcome back to our Wednesday night Bible study, everybody. I'm Josh Canales, the pastor of the Great Mission Ebenezer Family Church, and today we're going to be diving back into the book of 2 Timothy. We started this book just before our Christmas Advent season, and we had departed from it um, to study the Messianic prophecies through Isaiah uh, and the Gospels for the month of December. Then we opened up this year with a study in um, Isaiah 43, 18, and 19, along with Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. Well, today I'm going to be returning to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're actually rounding out the, the book. Um, and God kept putting it on my heart to finish up uh, this book, that uh, really, which is a letter, a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, one of his very best, his right-hand guys. Um, he was the cream of the crop. Timothy is one of his, his, his mentees and disciples. Uh, so we're going to read chapter 4 together, and we're going to see what God is saying. And I'd like to pull from for, uh, the letter uh, 1 Timothy as well, uh, this epistle to, to Timothy, so we can understand what, what was the difference in the tone of the Apostle Paul. How did it sound different from um, his, letter to, his first letter to Timothy? So um, if you join with me in prayer right now, we'll go ahead and, and start our Bible study. Father, we thank you for today on this beautiful, beautiful um, day that you've given to us in order to study your word so that your word can uh, change our hearts, change our minds, change our lives. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would um, open our, our minds, open our hearts, open our spiritual lives so we could see beautiful things in your word today. We pray all these things in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. Praise God. Well, I would like to start off uh, just by uh, prefacing the fact that in Paul's first letter to Timothy, which is 1 Timothy, um, he is urging Timothy to stay behind in Ephesus. Ephesus was a great city there in the, um, the Mediterranean region, a place where many Gentiles lived um, and where Paul had sown lots of seed, saw lots of people uh, converted to Jesus Christ, putting their faith in, in Jesus as Lord. And when Paul was getting ready to leave to Macedonia, he was looking around and he's like, man, which one of these guys am I going to have to, you know, uh, ask to stay behind to pastor these people, to shepherd the flock of, of new believers, of, of really a, a new church plant? And he's going through, you know, his company and of all his, his disciples and folks that were around him. And really the short straw fell on Timothy. Why Timothy? Because Timothy was ready. He was mature. He understood Paul's heart, his vision. He understood who Jesus was. Timothy had a tremendous, tremendous um, uh, testimony. He himself had to be circumcised as an adult male um, because his father was a Gentile. Uh, he was a Greek, and so Paul, because wherever he traveled, he would encounter Jews, and the Jews would, would right away want to, um, you know, uh, persecute him. They'd want to uh, judge him. They'd want to um, make it really difficult. But Paul wanted to engage in every, with every culture, every community, both Jew and Gentile alike, and so he said. Timothy, man, you know, I don't believe you need to be physically circumcised in order to be a part of our gang, the Jesus gang. He said, but, um, you know, I think it would be wise for you to do that just to not create any waves with some of the, the people that we're going to encounter. So 
Um, that was just a little bit of background with uh, Paul's relationship with Timothy. Timothy trusted Paul like no other. He looked up to Paul. Um, and if my studies uh, are correct, um, you know, most of us look at Timothy like he was like a young, young guy. Um, but some don't believe he was too much younger than Paul. Maybe just a few years difference. But he was a newer believer uh, in comparison to Paul and Paul's experience, Paul's ministry, so on and so forth. Um, so in 1 Timothy, Paul says, Timothy, I need you to stay back. And Timothy's saying, no, I want to go with you. I want to stay with you guys. I don't want to, I don't want to break up the bunch, man. We got a lot of work to do. It's so much fun. There's synergy. There's excitement. There's people getting saved. There's adventure. There's also, um, there's also threats. There's also imprisonment. There's, there's a whole lot of adversity that, that they had to, to encounter and, and Timothy wanted to look after Paul, too. So he wanted to be with him wherever they went. Um, he wanted to, to help. He wanted to make make uh, things better and get things done. And Paul finally says, I'm sorry, man. Like, you're the one. You got to stay back. And I'm asking you to stay back because I trust you. I trust you to pastor these people's hearts. So, so Paul really loved the church at Ephesus. So much so that he gave his only... No, not his only begotten son, but one of his spiritual sons, Timothy, to stay back. And that was Paul's greatest gift to the church at Ephesus. So here we have Paul writing in his second letter to Timothy himself. Um, Paul's one of Paul's greatest, greatest disciples and, and converts. And in this second letter, we find ourselves in chapter 4. Paul warns Timothy about godlessness that he's going to face with people being lovers of themselves, uh, only to try and appease or satiate their own fleshly, carnal, worldly desires or appetites. Paul says you got to resist all that. You have to stick to the Word of God, stick to truth, stand firm, um, stick to the basics, and and follow my example, the example of the gospel that I that I left for you. So let's go ahead and begin in, in chapter four. Chapter four is broken up into maybe about three or four sections. We'll see how far we can we can go here in the time that, that God has given to us. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead? And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct. Rebuke. And encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So let me read that verse again so we can see here what Paul says. He says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. I love that word. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. And he says, and all of these things that you're doing, he says, do it with great patience and careful instructions. I love Paul's words. Um, of maturity, spoken like uh, a true veterano, a true vet, somebody who's like an OG. They've already been there. They've done that. They're speaking from confidence in Christ. They're speaking also from the wisdom of experience of man, mankind. But Paul couples the practical wisdom of the Old Testament with the faith in Jesus Christ that we um, have received here in the new New Covenant or the New Testament. So Paul gives, gives Timothy all these things and reminders to preach the word, 
to be prepared in and out of season, to correct, rebuke, and encourage. So I want to pause there for a moment before we continue. In, in verse 2, he says, preach the word. Preaching the word for Paul was like the bread and butter. It's it's like the main thing. It's it's the the, the main course meal of of what you're what you're going to be served um, at a restaurant. And the word of God is where it all begins. It's where it all starts. And Paul knows that Timothy is is a, a, a very good preacher of the word of God. And he knows the word. He knows the Old Testament. And he also knows the gospel, the stories of Christ. He knows what the cross and the, the empty tomb um, is all about. And then Timothy had Paul in order to study his life and to live his life after Paul. Um, so he says, preach the word. Be prepared in and out of season. That's, that's a good word for us, to be prepared in and out of season. You don't have to have a whole lot of time you know, to get prepared for um, questions that may be asked to you. The Bible says also in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 26, he says, and the Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance. And I'm comforted by that, knowing that the Holy Spirit is right there by my side. He's got my back. Uh, Paul reminds Timothy to preach the word and to be prepared in and out of season for whatever may come. Um, and so for me, what that says about Paul, he's, he's saying, be ready for whatever God has. Um, don't be quick to say no. No, I can't do it. Or no, I won't. Or let me think about it. Or let me pray about it even. Sometimes you have to be ready right then and there to give an answer. You need to be ready to talk to somebody, to pray for somebody, to lead somebody to Jesus, and to give them an answer according to the Word of God. So what does that call us to do as believers? To make sure that we stay ready so that you don't have to get ready. If you stay in your Word, you'll always have the Word at the tip of your tongue. If you stay in the Word, you'll always have the sword right there to pull out of it, its sheath in order to attack whatever it is that the enemy may be trying to bring your way. So thank you, Paul, for reminding us to be prepared in and out of season, to not be hesitant to correct or rebuke. We know that that's very important. Um, you know, serving Jesus is not just always about warm and fuzzy things or just uh, only words of encouragement or words of inspiration or uplifting, but sometimes require that we have to bring correction. Sometimes we have to bring rebuke. Sometimes we have to come to a brother uh, with two or three and, and talk to folks or our children, even our spouses, even people in the church. We just got to be very, very careful how we go about these things because we can't be careless. We can't just be wielding a sword of uh, legalistic judgment everywhere or wherever we go or just because we think so. Be thoughtful and be prayerful about how we correct or or what we uh, address or what we, we talk about with people. Nonetheless, we need to remember what Paul says. Um, he says to do things with great patience and careful instructions. And so I think that gives us the understanding and it gives us the... Um, just the, the coaching that we need. Uh, sometimes as Christians, we could be just too harsh. Sometimes we could um, throw caution to the wind. Sometimes we can just be in people's face faces. And, and sometimes that's not the best thing. So Paul says, do all those things, but be patient. And he says, with careful instruction. 
So I think that's a, a helpful reminder for all of us um, whenever we're addressing different situations that we're thoughtful, we're considerate, and we're patient, not rushing into anything, not rushing into judgment, and that we study everything carefully um, to see whether or not God wants us to spend the time that may be needed to address a particular issue that a brother or a sister is having. How many of you guys have ever stuck your foot in your mouth? I know I have. <laughs> um, I've done it many times, and and um, I, I'm still I'm still working on that. Um, and um, the other day on Sunday, I said uh, God's really really teaching me patience as as a as a man of God, a man of the Word. He's teaching me teaching me patience, um, and um, much um, to the chagrin of uh, my children, Elisha, Judah, and Lola. Uh, because I tend to learn a lot of my life lessons through them. Um, but praise the Lord. God's good. Let's continue. Verse 3. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all of the duties of your ministry. Let's pause there for a moment. Now let's talk about these last three verses. Paul reminds Timothy to make sure he's gathered around uh, good influences. Not just people who are yaysayers or um, yes men, but people who will push back a little bit against you. You know, sometimes the people we respect the most are people who will say no to us. The people who will say, oh, you know what? I don't know about that. Um, there's something in us that is up for that challenge of somebody who may say, you know, what about this, though? Um, and, and I think that's really helpful for us as Christians. Um, this week, we're celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and the legacy that he that he made not only in our nation, not only in the southeast, um, of our country, but in all the world. Martin Luther King Jr. was a tremendous man. He was a great leader. He was a pioneer for great civil rights of African-American women, brown people, um, minorities of many different walks of life and, and, and cultures. But one of the quotes I heard about Martin Luther King Jr., and I'm paraphrasing, is this. The reason why he was such a great leader and why his initiatives went very, very far and why he was successful was because he kept around him a company of people who were, came from diverse backgrounds, people who did not all sign on with him and whatever he said, but people who would push back, people who would question even his thoughts, his notions, um, his concepts. And, and it made um, MLK Jr. a better man, a sharper man, a stronger man, because he had people alongside him who still believed in him but did not always agree with every idea that he had. I think that's important for us as Christians to make sure we keep in mind that just because somebody says no or just because somebody pushes back against you, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It doesn't mean you need to make an enemy out of them. It may mean that they actually really think highly of you and God has them there for a reason. Oftentimes when people 
are have the confidence, the the ability, the strength to uh, challenge a notion, challenge you as a person or something that you say or want to do. Um, oftentimes, those people really add a lot of value to who you are. They may add a lot of value to what you do. They may add a lot of value and validity to the thing that you um, may be in charge of or that you're leading. Uh, maybe a church. You got to have people around you that will push back and not all just say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, and and sometimes say, well, you know, I don't know, pastor. And, and we have to be okay with that. You got to be okay with that. Just like a child has to get used to hearing no. Kids don't like to hear no. You know, they may throw tantrums. They may get angry. They may cry. Just like some of us throw grown-up tantrums, right? Just like, uh, just like you did the other day. <laughs> um, but children have to get used to this idea that they're not going to get their way always. Their, their, their ways always. And, and, and that's important because it teaches us about God. God makes sure that we don't always get our way. God will sometimes tell us straight up no. Or God may say not yet. Or God may say not right now. There's other times where the Lord's like, let's go. I'm with you. This is, this is good. This is great. And now's the time. Strike while the iron is hot. And, and those are exciting times too. But, but don't, don't allow times of challenge, um, times of adversity in your personal life, spiritual um, adversity to discourage you. God is, God is strengthening all of us and wants us to grow. And sometimes those, that thorn in the flesh, sometimes that no, sometimes that not right now is what we need for that period of time in your life. Uh, so here we, we see that Paul wants to make sure that Timothy d doesn't just gather a whole bunch of people around him that are just going to say yes. Or that Timothy starts to believe the hype. And you're saying, what do you mean by believe the hype, Pastor? Well, I mean this. And sometimes in, when you're in a position of influence or you're in a position of authority or so if you're a very charismatic leader, sometimes, you know what? You start to feel yourself. You start to, you know, think that you can't be questioned. Sometimes you start gathering people around you that only say yes. Um, you know, then you start preaching your own gospel. You start leading people to the knowledge of Josh Canales, you know, a, a salvation in Josh Canales. No. Um, Paul reminds Timothy, man, he's got to stay humble. And he's got to keep people around him that aren't just around him to have their ears tickled, right? If you want to, if you want to attract people and you want to grow your your crowd and your 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 um, I don't even know if this is a word, but your your followership, um, your followers, right? Um, you can say all the right things to make people feel good about themselves, and a lot of people will follow because everybody wants to be encouraged. Everybody wants to hear a, a good positive you know, affirming word. Everybody wants to hear something, a, a prophetic word that is like, it's going to change their life. Everybody wants to hear something that the, that the, that the prophet is speaking that is like they can hold on to and, and, and run to. But you know what? Oftentimes it's false prophets that bring false prophecy, false revelation, um, or false truths. Paul reminds us, 
He says, there's going to be people who don't put up with sound doctrine. If you teach the word of God, if you teach sin, if you teach about salvation, if you teach about the need for repentance, not a lot of people are going to like that. People want to hear more. If you just follow God, you're going to have as much money as you want and get, you'll have a car, you know, by next week. And if you give this amount of money to church, I promise you by next year, you're going to have a bigger house and you're going to have the wife of your dreams and all these things are promised. And that's called the name it and claim it gospel. And Paul's right here talking about, hey, be careful with the name it and claim it gospel, Timothy, because he says the last time I checked, I've been thrown in prison. I've been stoned and left for dead. I've been persecuted. I've been shipwrecked. I've been in chains time and time again. I've been in prison falsely. Um, and, you know, when Paul looks back at his own life, because a whole lot has happened between his first letter and the second letter that he's writing here to Timothy, a lot has happened in, in this short time. And so Paul is continuing to remind Timothy by way of wisdom, by way of scripture, and by way of faith that he is to focus on God. Focus on the things of God. Focus on the ministry of God and use everything and everyone at your disposal to bring people to Jesus. Look what he says. But you keep your head in all situations. Keep your head. Keep your head. Keep your wits. Don't lose your head. Don't lose your control. Right? He says, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Right? Because you're going to face it. And do the work of an evangelist. An evangelist is one who stays focused on Jesus, stays focused on the cross, and makes sure that they don't lose sight of what this thing is all about. And that's coming to a saving faith through Jesus Christ. If we focus on the good things and, and the productive things and the, the efficient, the effective things of the gospel, then we're going to spend less time dealing with problems, less time dealing with negativity, less time dealing with gossip, less time dealing with rumors, less time dealing with <clears throat> legalism, less time dealing with judgmentalism, less time dealing with people's other people's flaws, and more time on God, right? So Paul wants to make sure that we're focused on the right things, the right activities, the right behaviors, and the right attitudes. If we do those things, guess what? Your life will be better. Your life will be happier. Your life will be more fulfilled. Your life will be more full of joy. You'll experience the fullness of what God has for you when you make the things of God your priority. And Paul has experienced that, and that's why he's telling Timothy from his heart. He's writing a letter. He's not even writing theology right here. He's writing a letter to Timothy on the best practices of a, of a believer. And he knows that Timothy is going to pass all this on to everybody that he's with in Ephesus, along with the things that Paul needs right here and right now. Check this out. Paul says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. Uh-oh. The time has come for, for Paul's departure. Um, and he's not talking about a departure from a city. He's not talking about departure from a place. He's talking about it's time for him to go to the Lord, to be with the Lord, to pass. He's saying his time here on earth is coming to an end. Whoa. When somebody starts talking like that, you better listen up. Because it's, it's, it's finely distilled wine. 
it's finely distilled oil. Both the, the grape and the olive are brought through a, a, a process of being pressed and crushed. And that's what Paul's life has come to here in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, I'm already being poured out. I've lived my life for God. I've, I've given everything I have for the Lord as a, as a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. Oh. <sighs> if you're Timothy and you're reading this, you know, on, on parchment paper, either at the hand of Paul or the hand of Mark, maybe John Mark, um, you're probably pausing right there at that moment. You go, no, Paul, stop talking like that. <laughs> you Stop talking like that. Satan, get behind me, right? <laughs> um, but but look what Paul, Paul insists. And, and, and Timothy has to embrace that. He says, I have fought the good fight. When he starts talking past tense, I have fought. You're not I'm fighting the good fight. He said, I have fought the good fight. That means Paul's best energy, his best days are behind him in terms of what he's been able to do um, or what he has accomplished for the Lord. And he knows that Timothy has experienced a lot of that and will resonate with these words that Paul, Paul writes. He says, I have fought the good fight. How many of us can say you have fought the good fight of faith? I pray that that, is, that can be your motto. I pray that you can say that right now. You have fought the good fight and you're fighting the good fight of faith, right? You may be, uh, it doesn't matter how old you are or what station in life you're in. You keep fighting the good fight of faith. Paul's going to continue to fight the good fight of faith. Um, and and I want to encourage you, you know, if you're, if you're um, in your golden years of life, right, um, you continue to fight the good fight of faith. Be encouraged. Keep making a difference in the world because we need you. We need your gray-haired wisdom. We need your love. We need your counsel. We need your advice. We need your presence. We need you here with us, the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not the same when the when the people of God are not together, assembled, gathering with one another. So make every effort to be a part of the body of Christ. Make every effort to continue to sow seeds and to pour your life into the lives of others. You're not done. You have breath in your lungs. You have words to share. You have words of correction and rebuke to offer. Guys like myself, to the next generation. You have blogs that you need to write. You have books that you need to read. And you have lessons that you need to teach. And we're, op- we're, we're ready with our ears wide open, our, our, our hearts um, in a disposition to receive, and our minds in such a place, recognizing that we don't know it all and that we need you. Maybe you're a young person and you're still fighting that good fight or you're just getting started and you're just getting the, the tape wraps on your hands and you're, you're learning. Well, study those who God has placed in your life. Watch their example. Uh, imitate their faith. Remember, none of us are perfect, but you know, pay attention to those who God's anointing and His favor um, is, is all over. 
Um, and you'll see that there's a difference when people stay close to the Word of God. There's a difference when people are in prayer. There's a difference. You could tell when people have a life that is devoted to the things of God and from people who are just devoted to their own things, their own cares, their own interests, their own agenda, their own appetites. You'll, you'll be able to know because people who truly care about the things of God will be humble. People who really care about the things of the Word of God, they'll be open to listen. They'll be open, open to change. Watch those marriages um, of people around you where both husband and wife, you could tell the joy that they have and the love that they have for one another. And you'll be able to see it in the kids. The kids have a, a, a godly air of confidence. You'll see the kids have a sense of security, a sense of godly pride. You'll see the children have a, a profound sense of identity and who they are because they have parents who discipline them and who also love them and who are patient with them and who give them good instruction. Pay attention. You can also learn from young people as well. Young people have a heart for God and they're not to be excluded. Um, it's very, very important. Look what he says. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul runs to the cross and he runs to heaven. He talks about the crown of righteousness. I think that's important for you and I to pull our heads up from the muck and mire of, of our daily life, sometimes the monotony um, uh, of life. Um, you and I arduously fighting and battling through life uh, to keep our jobs, to to provide for our families, to be healthy, just to just to make it through the day, to be safe and and to um, navigate the, the storms of life. Um, and, and, and Paul, I love it how he runs to the cross and he looks to God. He looks to heaven. Heaven is, is, is up there somewhere outside of this universe. Paul looks to heaven and he says, I'm focused on the crown. I'm not going to get focused on everything around here. I'm not going to get focused on people that create opposition for me, although we face people that do provide and, and create opposition for us. Um, we have to put them in, in God's hands and we have to know that the Lord is by your side and and God loves us all. We're all his children in the end. I'm going to read the last verses of this chapter um, so we can see a little historical context um, here before we close up 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, do your best to come to me quickly. All right. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone on to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support. He's talking about probably having to to go into trial and have to defend himself because of the faith. He says, uh, but, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Oh, he sounds like Jesus on the cross, right? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Amen, Paul. Come on. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. 
So Paul's, Paul's heart is still to bring the message to the Gentiles, a uh, 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 people that have been forgotten about, a people that are overlooked, a people that were uh, moved to the side. Um, but that was Paul's heart. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me in every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh, one last thing. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesephorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Prudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. The Lord be with you, your spirit, and grace be with you. Praise God. Verse 9, it says, Do your best to come to me quickly. In the first letter to Timothy, Paul says, stay in Ephesus. We'll see you next time. Um, I need you to stay back. Timothy says, no, I want to go. He ends up staying, and he does some great work for the Lord. Well, here in Paul's second epistle or letter to Timothy, Paul says, Timothy, come quick. I need you. He's probably dealing with some loneliness, feeling of being deserted, probably wants to be encouraged. He's old. He's tired. He's, getting, he's preparing himself also spiritually, mentally, physically to go to be with the Lord at some point. He's not going to hurry up the situation. <coughs> he's not going to try to expedite the process of, of going home to our Father. But he just knows that in his body, he's probably slowing down. He says, bring my scrolls, bring my parchments, all the things that make Paul happy. The ability to write. The ability to read, the ability to study, the ability to to escape mentally, academically even. You know, Paul was a thinker. Paul was a a great scholar. um, And he never lost that love for um, the things uh, of of academia. But he, he, he redeems all of it through Jesus. And he wants to make sure that God is the center of everything that he does. And he's calling upon Timothy one last time. He also probably wants to give Timothy a big, huge hug and slap him on the side of the neck and tell him how much he loves him, how much he's missed him, and um, and then give to him uh, strong words that a father, a spiritual father like Paul, can only give to a spiritual son. So with that, um, we see the makings of the early church. We see his greetings to Priscilla and Aquila here at the end of uh, chapter 4, which I think are great. Um, it, it lends uh, credence to um, other books in the New Testament, the validity of these books, the validity validity of the, the man or the person Paul himself. Some scholars try to say that Paul never existed. Some people try to say that he was a, um, a, a fictitious person. Many people have said that about Jesus as well, but we have these texts And these texts were compiled from many different places and many different areas. And there's so many different copies of some of these original texts. Um, um, I would encourage you to go and study some of these things. And I think it would really um, pique your fancy. But um, nonetheless, run to God. Preach the gospel. Um, Use every aspect of the ministry that God has given to you for the purposes of the kingdom. We serve an indefatigable God. Um, He never changes. He never tires. He never grows old. 
unlike us. We grow old, our time is short, and our days are numbered. And we see here that Paul um, uh, takes very, very, very um, good measure to communicate these things to his disciples and his followers. Well, don't waste any time. Um, let's not be spiritually sluggish. Let's not languish in our pity, in our in our grief, in our would have, should have, could have. Let's not um, <clears throat> let's not be stuck in yesteryear or the things that we've done in the past. Let's not rest upon our laurels, for we know that God has greater things in store for those of you and those of us who are in Christ Jesus. For God is our Savior, He's our Redeemer, He's our Deliverer, and He's our Lord. He wants to save your soul. If you haven't given your life to Jesus and you'd like to invite Jesus to come into your heart, we're going to pray right now. If you want to uh, trust Jesus with your life, if you want the things in your life to turn around, I want to encourage you to take hold of the very Word of God and see that it doesn't transform you from the inside out. Well, God bless you. I'm Josh Canales from Mission Ebenezer Family Church. We thank you for tuning in and listening to our Wednesday night Bible series here at The Great Mission. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today and we ask, Lord, that if there is anybody here with us, alongside us, or following along in the message, Lord, that you would bless their lives. If there's anybody here, Father God, that wants to invite you into their life, Father, we pray that you would make a home in their heart. Lord Jesus, that as you knock on the door of their heart, that they will let you in, that they will, they would take the, the step of faith of trusting in you, knowing that you love them and you desire great things for them. Lord, that you can forgive them of their sin and you're the only one that could that can save. We can't save ourselves. Our family members can't save us from eternal damnation. Lord, our spouses can't save us, but only you can save us, Father God. Only you can change us. Only you, Father, can bring life to this wayward, wayward sinner into this world. So Father, we pray that you'd come into our hearts, that you'd come into our lives, and that you'd change us forevermore. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.